Last episode, you heard the story Straws by Rebecca Adams Wright. At WBEZ, we've been asking writers like Adams Wright to imagine the Great Lakes decades from now. We sent the writers research and paired them with scientists or policy experts. It's part of our series, After Water. I'm Shannon Heffernan, one of the reporters and producers working on that series. Adams Wright and I spoke on the phone about some of the research behind her story. Rebecca, when we first reached out to you, we paired you with an expert in uh, policy in the Great Lakes region. Tell me a little bit about that conversation and how that influenced where the story went. I was paired with Jared Teutsch, a policymaker here in the Great Lakes region. And um, what was most interesting and helpful was um, he actually sent a report discussing the Great Lakes Water Compact. This is um, a the- historical compact that was written between the different states and regions to, to agree to keep water in our, in our watershed, right? Absolutely. Yep. All the governors of the sort of um, Great Lakes states got together um, and put together this compact to try to protect um, and preserve Great Lakes water. And um, it was very interesting to read. It's really one of a kind, but there are also some concerns about possible loopholes in the compact. And so it was very interesting to say, okay, well, here's where the water is very protected, but what happens when people push against the compact? Currently, that's just beginning to happen. Um, There's some of the very first requests for water diversion are coming in now. The story kind of naturally grew out of what happens when more and more places start to request diversion, um, when there's more and more pressure on the compact. When you were writing this story about diversion, you specifically mentioned that these pipelines were privatized. What made you make the choice to have them be privatized pipelines? I really went in that direction because I felt like that's a very possible, um, unfortunately, a very, a very possible feature. We were having a lot of discussions about, um, for instance, what it means to make a corporation under the law something of an individual, right? So I just I kind of ran with that idea that it's not necessarily the the government intrusion, um, but a sort of mixture of maybe government policies not working quite the way they're supposed to, and then large corporate interests um, kind of taking over. So reading this story, some of the ideas are are rooted in a a reality and in this research that you did. Now, reading some of your other stories, it seems that you you write a lot of really fantastical things. You write about aliens. What was it? What was it like for you to be more grounded in something um, a little closer to Earth? Um, it was a nice restriction, actually. I really enjoyed sort of the um, the creative limitation of it. You know, it's it's fun to write about a, a vast variety of futures. Um, I think that's one thing that I've been very interested in in my own work. I try to write about sort of altered pasts um, and a lot of potential futures. Some of those futures. Um, like you said, are, they're very fantastic. They're very far-reaching. Um, but it was, it was a lot very interesting to write about a future much closer to home. In doing the research for this story, both the research we sent you, the research you did on your own, and the, the, the conversation mm-hmm. you had with the policy expert, what were the things that surprised you? Were there things that took you aback as you learned them? Yes, actually, there, there were some very surprising things. I was very surprised to learn, for instance, how little of Great Lakes water um, is renewed through things like snow melt and rainfall. I think I had this sense that, oh, you know, it'll it'll rain. Uh, you know, Michigan, of course, and, and several other Great Lakes states get tons of snow. Um, and I thought a lot of that would be runoff and, and the lakes really sort of um, could, could bounce back from a lot. But the reality is that they don't. Um, and so that, that was a very interesting piece of information I was able to work with. 
I want to ask you about one of my favorite parts in your story, which is this rhyme that comes at, it, that at the very end about stealing a cup of water. Where did that come from? That's a really good question. I was really just trying to think of what are some ways to convey that a culture is changing? And I think um, one of the ways that happens is through what kids hear and what kids learn and how they take that information that's being filtered down to them through the adult world and interpret it for themselves. Um, so it was really an offshoot of what happens in a society where water becomes a kind of economy a lot of people don't have much access to. Um, what are the kids going to think about that? Yeah, I found myself thinking of Ring Around the Rosies and the connection to the to the plague. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly it's a little bit morbid, a little bit scary. You know, there's there's something a little um, off-putting and, and sometimes a little eerie about some of these children's rhymes, right? That that actually refer to some pretty horrific historical events. I definitely wanted that feel to come in through the story. At what point in writing this story did this idea of having an eco-terrorist come to you? That actually came pretty quickly. I knew I really wanted a fairly controversial conflict. Um, I wanted a protagonist who wasn't sort of an easy victim. And I wanted a protagonist whose actions um, in and of themselves um, would be fairly complicated. So I thought maybe one of the best ways to do that, obviously, was taking this sort of eco-terrorist slant. Um, I hope that readers can see where this protagonist is coming from, um, and I hope that there is enough of a sense of desperation um, to make that feel like a not entirely unsympathetic choice. Um, but on the other hand, of course, we're talking about an act of terrorism, which is something I hope the story doesn't completely endorse either. Did you leave this story with any questions hanging in the air in the, from your own research or about the characters you wrote about? Any, any questions hanging in the air for you? Uh, there are some, definitely. Uh, the first one, of course, would be, um, is this really a future? And uh, the answer, I hope, is, is, of course not, because we are going to move in a direction that does not take us here. But um, that is certainly a major question. Um, are we moving toward a privatization of resources that were once considered public? Um, for the character, I don't think there's too much left hanging. Um, I feel that she's probably going to continue in the vein she's in until something stops her. But um, there is certainly the question of, of how could a character like her um, be driven to events like this? That was Rebecca Adams-Wright talking about her story, Straws. Adams-Wright has a book coming out in 2015 called The Thing About Great White Sharks and Other Stories. To hear some of the science behind the stories in After Water, visit afterwater.tumblr.com. After Water is part of WBEZ's Front and Center Project. Front and Center is funded by the Joyce Foundation, improving the quality of life in the Great Lakes region and across the country.